So I am in the midst of a deeply emotional experience this morning. And it kind of came out of the blue. I'm sitting here, I walked my sweet boy to daycare, came back, started writing, and I've been editing this chapter. And it's called Reclaiming the Narrative. And as I wrote this chapter, all this like stuff came back. So I'm writing about Christianity as it was taught to me when I was younger. And I'm writing about these experiences that I had in the Christian world when I was like 23. And I'm 40 now. And these experiences that I had really were painful. And the way that I view my past is always that I was like at least trying to be authentic and that at whatever age, so at 23 and at 24 and at 25 and at 30 and at 32, that I was at least trying to do the same thing I'm doing now, which maybe that's the path. But when I look back and think like how sad and lost this 25, 26, 27 year old felt and how these expectations of the upbringing were just, you should be this certain way, Tom, and you should be here, Tom, and you're not enough, Tom, and why don't you measure up, Tom, and what's wrong with you, Tom? It is just bringing back these waves of emotion. Um, I hadn't thought about it for a long time, really. And then I'm writing this chapter called Reclaiming the Narrative, which is saying how the Christian faith has gone awry and how those of us that care and those of us who believe and those of us who subscribe to the faith still need to do something about it. And so as I'm like typing it up, it brought me back to this period in my life where I was just on the floor of my apartment in Chicago weeping. And what had happened was I'd heard this sermon that was talking about God being a God of the oppressed and God looking out for the poor, the widow, the orphan, or the orphan and the foreigner. And that since God looks out for those people, we too should look out for those people. So my job as a follower of Jesus and as a believer in God, like it was up to me to look out for those people. And I was teaching at this school in Chicago that hits every metric of poverty. Um, it had food deserts, and it was high crime, and it was low education, low literacy. Um, I had never like been in neighborhoods like this for extended periods of time. And I was in this school um, teaching. It was like near South Shore and 89th Street in Chicago. Uh, it was hard to get to. I lived on the north side and I needed the job. Like there was zero. I could not quit. Like I needed it. If I quit, I probably would have had to move with my parents. And that made me like face this job in a different way than I would have other things. Like I just could not quit.
So at first, when I was showing up at the school every day, I was like having all these behavioral problems. The students just would not listen to me. Um, I would get like, I would just get yelled at, sworn at, said all these things about me that just, you know, weren't true. And I had never been, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it even here, luckily, and how fortunate I am to not have been in those situations, but I had been, never been in something, in a situation like that. And I remember thinking that, like, sort of judging my students. I called them ignorant. Um, I called them misbehaved. I thought negative things about them. And I thought I had this, like, feeling like, poor me, like, I'm having to deal with this, blah, 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 blah. And then this one girl, it was like, basically this, like, one girl who just kept challenging me. And it was like every day she would walk into class late. She would cause a problem. She would like yell at me. I didn't know what to do. I would write her up, try and do it. It was only like my third year teaching, I think. So I didn't even really have the tools on how to deal with it. But I made this mistake of like thinking that the entire class was like that. And I made this mistake of saying, oh, these kids, and putting this label on all of the kids, when it was mostly this, like, one girl. So after, like, weeks of this, um, you know, probably four, five, six, seven weeks of this, where, like, every day just sucked, in my opinion, I was like, you know what? This actually isn't worth it. And... I either have to stand up for this, like I either have to like do something dramatic to change this or I have to leave. Like it's one of those two things. This path is changing today. So I made that decision and I went into, I went into the school and I went to this class period and the same behavior happened. And this time It was like one of those moments for me that it was almost like time stopped. And this girl just did the same thing she did every day. She walked in late. She started being loud and what I would consider obnoxious, rude and all this. And then like as she was doing it, I was able for the first time to not react. And I just tuned her out and let her go. And looked at every single kid in the class. You know, there were probably 20 other kids, 25 other kids. And I looked like at each of them, making eye contact with some, just looking at some. And I saw these kids who were like waiting for me to do something. And they were sitting there. They were just like tuning her out. And they were looking at me. And I saw like five or six kids who were just like looking at me with this look of like, what, hey, teacher, what are you going to do? Please like help us. We want to learn. And in that same flash, I realized that like these kids I'd been judging and putting them all as the same. I thought of them all as the same. I thought they were all ignorant, all misbehaved, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait a second. It's only like 
this girl and two or three of her friends who even think it's funny. And the rest of the kids, they feel something similar to how I feel. So I was like, you know what? This is my job. I have to, I have to do something about this. And I looked at the, I let, I let the girl finished finish. And then instead of, um, instead of like reacting right away, like I'd done for the last four five, six, seven weeks, I just like put my hands on my hips, got in a position that was similar to hers and just waited. And I let the silence keep going and she like had nothing more to say. And I was like, Hey, are you finished? And then the class, like those same kids that were like looking at me, I saw their like faces like, wait, he's actually going to do something. He's actually going to do something. And I like looked at her. I was like, Hey, are you finished? And she was kind of like, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I've said it all. And like, you've never actually done anything like this before. And then I just went right back at her. And I was like, hey, this is my class. You cannot do this in my class. I'm. It's my job to teach. I'm being paid to teach. I'm going to do this. These kids need to learn this, blah, 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 blah. And she just like stared at me. And I was like, so you can either come in here and learn or you can leave. And, you know, I kicked her out of class that day and wrote her up. And the kids like just were in shock, in shock. So I walked, I wrote her up. She went to the office, got kicked out, you know, complied, whatever. And then the rest of the kids like just looked at me and they were just so shocked. And like, I just, the faces, they were just aghast. And then I walked up in front of the class. I'm like, okay, guys, let's get back to this grammar. And they all took notes and they listened. And this girl came in back into class the next day and she was great. And she, from that point on, she respected me and she asked questions. And I still remember it was like one or two days after she got in trouble because I wrote her up. Um, I like, I'm looking over and she has her hand raised and I call on her and she asks me a question about the stuff that I'm taking notes on. And I had this like inner feeling at the time. I had this like feeling inside myself that it was a, a big moment in my life and that it was this like foundational moment of me standing up, which I'd never done to anything. And it was this behavioral set that I had never would have done or couldn't have done or would have gotten in trouble for doing. And here this, this kid could do it fine, usually without getting in trouble. And I set up to those behaviors and it was like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to react. Like reacting doesn't do this. Like reacting to behaviors doesn't do this. What I have to do is be proactive on the good behaviors. And what I have to do is be proactive about bringing the positive change in things. And I can't worry about the negative behaviors in people. And I can't worry about these other things and focus only on the negatives. What I have to do is I have to focus on the positive. And in that same moment, 
that I said just where time stopped and I looked at each kid, I was able to see that I had judged this entire group of people is the same. I took the worst of them and I thought that they were all that. Then I realized how wrong that was. And I looked at these kids and I saw that they were just so different and unique from one another and had this really fun blend of personalities and could kind of use that. And it ended up being great. And more than great, it ended up being transformative. And it was this transformative moment in my life because what I realized is that the kids that were in my class in this area that hit every statistic of poverty and where the the deck is stacked against these kids for so many societal reasons that has nothing to do with them, that this was my mission. And that these people in my class embodied the exact type of people that the God of the Bible called us to look out for, the poor, the widow, the orphan. Isaiah 117 reads, Seek justice, encourage the oppressed, plead the case of the widow, something like that. And that's what I was doing every day by teaching these kids. And that's what I was doing by being there, stopping things and promoting peace and promoting an environment where they could learn and succeed. And it had like this super impactful um, effect on me, right? Like doing this completely changed it. And those kids like to not to sound too much of like a cliche teacher, but those kids like changed me and had a major, major impact in how I see the world. And some of them, I have more respect for than almost anyone I've ever met in my entire life. And when I discovered the mission and the tie between my occupation and my belief system, the church that I was attending was doing this thing where they were unveiling what they called the X, the Y, the Z, which was these three initiatives that were this culmination of a year and a half teaching sermon. And it was ways that we could impact our local society, our um, country and our world. And it was something that I knew was going to be impactful to me. And I was kind of connecting these dots or were in my mind and, you know, probably being led by the spirit in them. And I, was, you know, a couple hundred miles away from the church. So I listened mostly online and the podcast at the time came out on a Tuesday. So I fasted for three days before it came out and I wanted to listen. And it was like one of the first times I'd ever fasted and maybe even the first. And so I'm listening to this thing after a three day fast. And it is just like the spirit is just speaking to me and working through me. And I think I started listening to it in the car and then finished on headphones in my apartment. And the apartment was this like dark brick building 
and I had gotten home and I was like, I was just in this room with the headphones on listening to this initiative of looking out for the poor, the widow, the orphan and the foreigner. And I just wept. I don't cry that often. And I just wept and wept and wept. And I had zero tears left in me. And I had zero energy left in me. And I just laid down exhausted. I was like, yes, thank you. Yes, this is it. This is the truth. This is the way. This is the light. Um, and it was like the beginning of this healing process. And I was 27 at the time. And that moment, thinking about myself at that moment, like I haven't really gone back to it. But it was that moment on the floor that I connected these dots between the everyday and the spiritual. And that I saw God not as then, but God is now. I saw God not looking out for only a certain group of people in the Bible, but God looking out for everyone, everywhere, all the time. I saw it not as a history lesson, but something to impact my life going forward. And in a lot of ways, it really has. Like That moment was a defining, impactful moment going forward that brought about a lot more patience, a lot more peace. Um, I was able to have a lot more humor. Uh, I was able to have so much more patience. And I was able to kind of have this generous spirit. And I was able to like view the, my students, the people that were sitting in my class, the bodies, the people that were in the bodies and the chairs, I was able to view them in such a different way as children of God. I completely saw it and I saw like the light and the beauty. And it was really good. And that moment came after a hard period in my life. Um, it came after, it came basically at this point of like shattered expectations. And that's like why I'm so emotional right now is that I didn't realize how many silent and assumed norms there were in the way that I grew up that I just did not fit. Um, it was like, yeah, you go to high school and then you go to college and you meet a spouse in college and you get married like a couple days after you graduate. Um, maybe you rent a house for like a year, but then you buy one and then you start having kids and you're just in your job and you work it until you retire. And that was like just taught over and over and over. And so us kids, when we were like 14, 15, 16, 17, like that's what we were being trained to do. Spouse, kids, career, house, work it till retirement, go to church, and then you get to go to heaven. And that path just did not work for me at all. I didn't fit any of that path. Um, 
I tried. And almost any time that I was authentic, I was told to be a better influence, to be a better example. When I uh, would share and be honest, it, it didn't try. And I was telling this story of like my first job, teaching job before the one in Chicago was in Florida at the school, the small Christian school. And I was maybe the youngest teacher on the staff. And a lot of the teachers started their classes with devotions. And the school, I think, started every day with devotions and had chapels. And that's not something I'm comfortable doing, like leading public devotions or praying in public. I love prayer, but to me, it's like a a private thing or with somebody or for somebody or maybe once in a great while in a public setting. But I didn't want to lead like an English 12 class with prayer and give some cheesy example. Like I thought that's like not how I see God. Um, and then one time, (laughs) one time, I think it was like 24, I actually was inspired to give a devotional (laughs) because it was good Friday. And I'd found this thing that made like my, my faith and my faith journey. Like it just mattered to me so much. And I found this thing and I'm like, oh, I'm going to share, I'm going to share it with my class. So I did. And I read this thing to my class. And at the end, I look up and there's this finger like an inch and a half from my face. And one of the students had gotten up, told me, and his words were, you have no business being in a Christian school. That was his response to this like deep devotion. You have no um you have no business being in a Christian school. A couple days later, I had to sit with the principal, the kid, the kid's dad, who was a pastor in the area, and the principal and superintendent of the school were having a meeting about the devotional I gave. And they were sitting there and this like this dad's dilemma this pastor's dilemma was, can I send my kid to this Christian school because of this teacher that you have who we do not agree with? And, you know, I looked and they're looking at me and they're all looking at me and I'm saying to them like, Hey, you guys, I'm a Christian. My faith matters to me. And I thought that this was impactful. And the dad hadn't read the devotional and I guess he, and I was like, Hey, you know what? I was like, I will go get the book that I read from and I will bring it to you and I will show you the exact pages. I'll let you read them. And then we can talk about it because he hadn't read it. And, uh, he was like, Oh, I don't need to. Um, but this meeting just kind of ended and it was like, I had explained that I was trying to be authentic and I had explained to the principal and the superintendent and the kid and the parent that I was trying to be authentic, that I was at a Christian school and that I was a Christian and that this was like me actually attempting to share with my students, like how I saw God and Jesus and Easter and all this stuff. And I was told, like, you're not good enough. That's what I heard in that. It's like, you're not good enough. You make this place not Christian. 
And I was like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like how, and it was just this thing that like had to kind of sit there. Right. And that is how so much of the upbringing felt to me. You're not good enough. You make this place unchristian. And then at 27, seeing this mission, that it's like, no, actually, like, I bring a light here. And I'm doing God's work here with these people in my class. And um, I'm feeling so emotional right now because I don't look back that often. And I don't really remember Steph like that well, I guess. And I don't, yeah, I just, I'm not that interested in looking back. I'm much, much more interested in like looking forward or now or being engaged in where I'm at and with what's happening. And so having this period where I, I added, I'm like editing chapter two and I add this little footnote that starts when I was 27 and it just took me on pages and pages and pages. And then I had these images of myself there and how this thing didn't work and that thing didn't work. And then my reactions to that were just like this period, this like two, three, four years of just darkness and this feeling of just being fatigued and lost and sad and scared and lonely. And I don't think that depressed is a word that I would use. It was more just like sad and scared and lost and lonely. And I felt unworthy. And it was all from these like experiences not working out. And then me going home at 23, 24, 25, 26. And this like, oh, wait, you're not married. You don't have the house. You don't have the kids. What's wrong with you? Oh, that job didn't work out. You're not in a Christian setting. You're not active in this, like all this stuff. And it was like, no, 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 no. And now that I'm like a 40 year old dad with a kid who I just love and with a wife who is so supportive in a place that we really like being, I'm seeing myself at that age and feeling those thoughts from the guy at that age, a guy that I like hadn't looked back on and just trying to say to him, Hey man, you're good. You're worthy. You're loved. You were accepted. Okay. Those periods of change were important for you. You stood up for yourself. You went through it. You found it. And what just happened is a footnote has just got me in this emotional state. And I wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to get it down, let you feel it as it comes. And to say that you're going to be all right. And that you can just own those parts of yourself. Okay. Make them funny. Um, just learn from them and embrace them as part of the story of what makes you, you, and that it's okay to get emotional. And I'm feeling that right now.
Love y'all.